G'day and welcome to Occupied, your fortnightly podcast for all things occupation and occupational therapy. Now before we get started, if you're here listening to Occupied, chances are that you're interested in other OT podcasts and you can find some other OT podcasts at otpodcasts.com. There is something there for any practice area and any interest. Check it out. Find your next favorite OT podcast right there. Now, today on the show, I've got Colleen and Jesse Pirani. Uh, they started an absolutely amazing occupation-based practice called Sense Rugby, where they've combined Jesse's career as a national sevens rugby player and Colleen's as a pediatric occupational therapy into one beautiful meld uh, and started a practice that uses rugby as a therapy for kids. I was so excited to get to chat with these guys. I love everything about their practice and what they're doing. Have a listen. Let me know what you guys think. Why rugby and OT? Sure, it's kind of a long story. I guess it um it it took a it took a few different events that led to it, and we always sort of tell the short story because it always has to fit into a thirty second video. But I guess the the longer version of it is that um so I was working in private pediatric um, in a private pediatric practice, and there was just parent after parent coming to me saying. You know, our kids don't, they just haven't found a sports group that they can successfully be part of. And um, I guess it was it was not necessarily kids who had physical disabilities or were even diagnosed with any type of disability as such, um, but it just wasn't working out due to, you know, various behavioural or, or whether it was sensory or um, attention-related issues that just wasn't working out and um at the same time Jesse always wanted to work with kids mm. and um yeah we were thinking about things that he could do after rugby and sort of started thinking okay well maybe we're on groups for kids and it was you know that sort of thinking that sort of eventually led to oh we could do this together and we could run groups for kids who have additional needs and then I guess the other side of that had been that we were talking a lot about what rugby did for Jesse growing up. Um, I think there's, there's probably so many different elements to that. Um, there's a whole piece about um, community, uh, but also from like um, an input perspective, I just found like any time I'd been to training or had had footy that day or anything like that, I just found it so much easier to function. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know, like... Um, it helped my concentration at school. Um, so that, that was a huge benefit for me. And, and um, once I met Carly and understood what she was actually doing for a job, I, I sort of recognised, um, you know, that there was probably so many elements of, of rugby that could help um, with her practice as well. Yeah, especially because it was, you know, I was, kids were moving in my sessions and I was always saying to parents, you need to get your kid moving after school. You need to get them lots of physical input. You need to, um, you know, crash and bash and swing and do all these things that we were doing. And it sort of felt a bit hypocritical to be telling them that, but then they could find no place where they could effectively get access to it um, without doing it themselves with their kids. So what sort of thing were you doing in practice before 
this, like with the kids, like you were saying, you're telling them to go out and bash and crash and run around and be active. Like what sort of stuff were you working on with them in practice before that? So um, I guess I saw a lot of kids or the, the practice was focused a lot on kids who, um, you know, had sensory processing difficulties, a lot of anxiety. Um, and, you know, we were using a lot of movement-based intervention types that were helping with that. So really just trying to get a lot of um, heavy work, a lot of proprioception, a lot of physical play in because we do know that link between um, those being calming activities. Um, and then we were also, you know, at the same time trying to create social connections, so trying to help kids learn how to play. And I think both of those just work together, you know, especially because when we play in a team, we have a shared goal and kids didn't necessarily need to use their language to communicate. So if they did have language delays, it didn't matter because, you know, we're running towards the line and we're scoring a try. So for me, those things really, um, it just came together in that way. Um, I think a lot of the time... You know, when we work on kids improving their sensory processing abilities or improving their play skills or, you know, improving their motor skills, as OTs, we get a lot of criticism that it's not occupation-based or that it's not functional enough. It's not re- and translating into their, into their everyday life enough. So to me, it meant that if kids were able to get this input in a group setting where it's teaching them something that they actually can use for the rest of their lives, not just for that particular session, um, you know, they can then go on and do, as, as Jesse mentioned, get that input in a regular, you know, session in something that they don't need to come to therapy for, then I just felt that, well, that's really setting them up for long-term success too. Yeah, that's awesome. Go way back. Jesse. how did you get into rugby? Like you, you mentioned before, like you, you found a lot of benefits, so I'm assuming you were playing as a kid. How did how did you get into to rugby? Um, so uh, rugby has been part of my life as long as I can remember. My um, my dad and uh, my dad and my mum are both Kiwis, so uh, rugby was always going to be uh, part of my life to some extent. <laughs> um, so I was I was playing rugby at four years old. Um, I think if you speak to my parents, there wasn't too much rugby going on there. It was more filling my um, my pockets up with sand and stuff like that on the field, but. I've just loved every minute of it um, since I was a young kid, and it seemed a shame that uh, some of some of the kids we work with were were unable to be a part of that. Um, so, for sense to be able to provide a little bit of a path for them to get involved with it in some small way, um, that it's just been it's been so fulfilling for me as a rugby player and um, as someone who likes to see the kids uh, succeed. Yeah. So what do you think are some of the, what do you, what do you think the actual barriers are to say kids getting involved with rugby, like the traditional way? Um, I think from what we've noticed with the clubs, if we're talking about kids who may have more, um, more significant needs, it seemed like kids were, the, the clubs wanted to be welcoming. They wanted to include mm-hmm. kids in the team, but when it came down to it, I don't think they knew how to. And as a result, maybe steered a little bit away from it or, or maybe waited for someone who does have expertise in that area to come in and, and do it. Um, the other thing, I think the majority of the kids who come to Sense Rugby, there, there was there's massive barriers around, um, I guess, just 
parents also being worried about what that experience is going to be like because they may have tried it once or twice and and not had success with it so it was embarrassing or they were worried about meltdowns or behavioral issues or other kids getting hurt so that's probably that's probably the one thing that that families say to us the most that when they come to sense rugby they feel like um everyone's gonna get it you know they their kid can run off or not participate and they won't they won't judge yep whereas if they go to a regular team setting especially if the kid doesn't have a physical disability and it's not visible to other people um they're worried that you know they they won't feel um i guess they won't feel comfortable there that's one of the big things yeah. what else do you and think? i think to add on on top of that if you look up of the makeup of any junior sport it's always parents who are just wanting to absolutely do their best and help out as coaches, but then not necessarily trained how you know pediatric OTs are in in um, helping these kids along the way. So um, we're trying to bridge that gap between um, you know the parent that's wanting to help out and and the OT side of things. So you know we're working on things. Um, we're trying to get into the clubs and and create that awareness, but also help the language that they're using with the kids, and also just some strategies around the safety for the kids as well. So it sounds like you do a lot of work with the parents as well as the the kids. Yeah, so that's probably one of the biggest parts. I think, I mean, it's important in OT in general. Um, I think we're we're learning how important that is. And as parents ourselves now, uh, we've just kind of gone, hold on a second. Um, <laughs> it doesn't help if we're speaking nicely to a kid for an hour a week. Um you know, or, or being really encouraging, but in every other setting, they're not getting that. Yeah. Um, so what we've done as part of the program is created a, like a webinar um, program that goes along with the every week. So the parents can have a listen to it. And it, we, we just discuss just some basic OT strategies. So we might talk about why we're using visuals when we work with our kids or why we're uh, maybe steering clear of, um, general feedback or negative feedback and rather giving really specific feedback. You know, things like that that are part of the program we then try and incorporate into the bigger therapy program with the parents or even the teachers who work with the kids. And then once that sort of, once once everyone's on board with how, you know, what we're using to help the kids succeed, that's when we see successful transition into mainstream teams as well. So the the goal is going to be one of my questions. So the goal is to eventually like transition into mainstream club rugby, that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We've um, so we paired up alongside um, the clubs in the local areas for the kids. Um, so we're adding to that community and and helping them to be a part of of that club. Um, but ultimately, the goal is to get them on that field playing with their peers. So um, there's some of our groups that run in schools only, um, and we like to still have them linked in with the club but they might not be on the field at the same time. I think for some, what we've sort of seen is that um, that's happening for some of our kids. For other kids, we're seeing adults now too. So for those groups, that might not be their goal, especially if they're quite a bit older and may have missed out on a lot of the kind of fundamentals to rugby. So it's just a bit, sometimes a bit unrealistic maybe to go in once you're 17 or 18 and everyone's playing, you know, full games. Uh, But we're seeing for those teams, it's becoming their social place you know it's becoming their safe space and and that's their team and they're okay with it so we're sort of catering to both at the moment we've got um some of our teams are actually using therapy assistance to then 
go with the kids to their first training sessions with the club so that they, the coaches have that input too just to yeah, kind of, awesome. you know, close off the, the process so that they don't have to go off to a team by themselves the first time and, um, yeah, just to make sure it's a smoother transition. So how does, how does a sense rugby training session differ from, say, uh, an equivalent aged not like a club rugby training session. Sure. So from an OT point of view, I'll let Jesse touch on the rugby side. But um, if I can, if, if the session can run to the extent where someone would look at it and not realise that it's a specialised session, that would be what we want to see. Yeah. We want to try and make it as much rugby as we can and sneak in the OT a little bit if you like. Um, so I think this, the shortest answer, it's normally smaller. So we have smaller groups to help kids get used to that. Um, we use a lot of predictability and visuals and um, I guess the scheduling around it might be a little different. Um, we use a lot of parent involvement as well to make sure that everyone's supported. I think from a what we normally do is we try and use the rugby equipment so the kids feel like they're playing rugby and they very much are Mm. but what we use is that ot to be able to deliver therapy um incidentally so it is about how they are the ot is encouraging the social interactions between the kids or how the ot is using that bit of equipment so it might still be a tackle bag but if a kid really needs to chill out and have some space they might be able to go and roll on the tackle bag or get the input they need from that um or we might actually just grade the activity a lot more than a regular session would so rather than sitting down with the kids and saying okay we're doing this 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 and this and we're doing it, um, you know, we're changing activities up very quickly and things like that. We are really breaking it down and seeing, okay, if a kid struggles with motor planning issues or, um, you know, might take need more reps to finish to learn something, then that's where we come in and go, okay, we can grade it on the spot. We're not going to change things as quickly. Yep. We're going to explain it in simpler language, that sort of thing, so that everyone's included in that way. Um, and that everyone gets an opportunity to um, do something at their own level. Because a lot of the your tackle bags and your tackle pads and that sort of stuff, they look very, I mean, I'm a mental health OT, I've never worked in pediatrics, but they look a lot like some of the equipment you'll find in a pediatric clinic. Yes, and I actually, I started um, seeing some kids individually. I don't anymore, but when I um, when I started Sense Rugby and I ended up just using most of the Sense Rugby equipment in the sessions anyway because you know, they can tackle them, they can get the deep pressure, they can get the heavy work, they can get, you know, like the bolster swings, all those kinds of things are, are very similar shapes. So I've really enjoyed using that OT knowledge and being able to kind of use that same bit of equipment in a different way. And now that we've probably got about 35 or so OTs that run it across Oz, so now we've got so many wonderful OT brains who are looking at the same program and the same bit of equipment and just constantly you know finding new ways to use those in a in a way that is therapeutic the rugby side of it how does that differ um i think like you can't really separate the two in 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 some ways with the ot and the rugby side of things because Mm -hmm. um if you see the equipment we're using um so we're using our balls our tackle pads our hitch uh hit shields tackle bags ladders all sorts of all sorts of stuff it's exactly how we'd want to use them at a rugby session anyway so it's more about um, it is about like the way that um, the OTs are speaking to the uh, to the kids, um, but also around um, judging where those kids are at 
regulation wise and then deciding which bit of equipment is going to be best used to keep them engaged and focused. Um, so from a, I think from a rugby point of view, it, it shouldn't look too dissimilar, yeah. um, like Carly sort of touched on. And I think that's why it's always important to us to have OTs running the program because we often get asked, oh, can, you know, can someone else deliver it and, and get the same outcomes? I think it's, it's about having that OT there that can make that can go through the clinical reasoning process on the spot. It's not just a set of activities that, mm. you know, OTs are saying might be good for your kid. It's more about having the OT being able to, you know, as we do deliver services on the spot and go, actually, this might be a good opportunity to help this kid to solve conflict or, to, you know, it's, it's that sort of thing that um, for us, means that OTs run it and and they know how to how to develop those skills. So it, it sounds like there's a fair bit of, I would say, like on the fly adjustments based on what's happening in the group at that point in time. What is it, what's the, is there a structured part of it and then everything else is modified off that or is it just we're playing rugby, let's see what, how we can get these kids engaged on the yeah. day, that kind of thing. Um, there is a, so there's a structure to it definitely. And I think especially for our kids with autism, the structure looks very similar every week. Um, so it's very routine based. However, what we change is rather than saying to an OT, do week one in week one and week two in week two, we give them a range of different activities to do. And that OT then can make that call on the spot. So they become quite familiar with what the range is and they often will adjust things slightly based on the kids um, but it's about them feeling like they can move forward if they need to or they can move back if they need to or they can take a break if they need to if all the kids are overwhelmed or you know if, if everyone's arrived and it's been you know a different day at school or it's windy for some reason windy days are always hard. <laughs> um, that's when they can go okay you know what I'm going to go back to week one I'm going to get everyone nice and calm. I'm going to facilitate that goal today. And then even if we just do one or two activities that, you know, we, we grade up, that's okay. But we don't necessarily need to feel like we're doing that, um, you know, doing what the book says, if you like, every, every week. So you said there's, I look on the website before, there's like uh, just, a, I did, did, couldn't count them. There's so many places running the program now. One thing I was wondering is do you, when you're or when people are saying, yeah, like, can I run one? Are you looking for people like you guys where there's OT and rugby experience or an OT with rugby experience or what's the, what are you looking for when you, when people are trying to run it? It's a huge benefit for us if it is a rugby playing OT or even just a, um, an OT with, with a sports background. Yep. But um, we're finding some of the, um, some of the OTs that have no rugby background at all have been some of our best. Because they look at it a little bit differently, and yep. you know, like as as a rugby player, I look at it and go, "I want to set it up like this because that's how it should be at rugby." Yeah, yeah. Um, but the OTs that don't know that purely base it on where the kids are at. Um, mm. So for that, it works both ways. It's just about learning the program and and learning how to deliver. Mm. And what we often do is we then link that. Uh, most OTs, you know, go and find someone who's got rugby experience to run it with them. So. I know, for example, our um, Carmen Connected, there are practice in WA that run it. Um, they didn't have any rugby experience. However, Rugby WA then jumped on board um, and, you know, they, they gave a coach at every club 
to do the rugby side and then the oh, OT wow. came and did the OT side, if you like. So um, in some situations, it actually is run by a coach. The OT is there to um, to do the OT stuff. So yeah. they might monitor how the kids are going in line or assist with meltdowns or make that run a little bit smoother and adjust as they need to. Whereas in other sessions, it might be that the OT does have rugby experience so they're, you know, they're delivering it in that way. We've been quite lucky that all the clubs that have been, um, you know, in the local regions have been super supportive. So we've been able to team those two together and that's where we find the most success too because I think it's important that it's not um, it's not too much like an OT group too. Yeah. I think we're there to be an in-between, right? So I think it's important that we have that rugby that rugby player there that can help us to make sure that we're bridging the gap really successfully, not just trying to then put the kids in a rugby group and it's too far removed from what they saw. I think that's one of the one of the things that really grabbed me when I when I saw it. So I've always worked in mental health uh, for my career, and one of the big barriers with doing anything in mental health is you're doing something in mental health. So one of our, I guess, goals whenever we're working with people is to try and tie people in with services that are already available. Like we're not trying to make things because we're just essentially making things harder. And I think seeing what you guys were doing and now hearing that, like the whole goal is to sort of transition and be that bridge between, you know, what was uh, a fairly barrier heavy entry to a sport and then bridging them all the way into actually playing club rugby mm. that I think not even just impedes any OT practice. That's, that's this, the area where I think we should be. And I think you guys are just nailing that so oh, far. Thank you. I think one of the things as well for our parents is that they're on the sideline at rugby now. They're not at therapy. Yep. I just, yeah. I mean, especially being a parent ourselves now, I think they're just spending so much time in therapy and, you know, there's always sort of something wrong and we're getting therapy and, and it's very um, it's very clinical. And what a lot of our OTs are feeding back to us is that for themselves but also for the families, it's really nice to get out into the community. They're just together. They're just on a rugby field. It doesn't feel so heavy. Mm. Um, and so, um, yeah, clinically based, it, it, it's still the same thing. We're still getting the same benefit. However, it's not um, got that, that clinical, you know, feeling to it. And how do the kids find Sense Rugby? Like are, are they being referred because of they have an interest in rugby or are they being referred for uh, like clinical reasons or what? How do they, how do they get into the, your program? Oh, there's lots of, <laughs> lots of different ways. Word of mouth is probably the biggest one for us, um, social media, word of mouth. Um, we don't have an include on criteria as such. Mm -hmm. We usually say to it's anyone who finds sport difficult because we do get a really wide range of kids. So mm -hmm. um, we make sure that our OTs touch base with the family and ensure that the groups are relevant for their child so if it's a group of um, kids or adults who have really high needs and are working with a support worker one-on-one -on -one, um, and it's a child who may just need some help with social skills to to integrate then obviously we're not putting those people together mm. 
Um, so it's all about, I guess, when when families find us, it's usually through word of mouth or through, through friends who have who have had their kids in the program, um, or then through their existing therapists. So often they will say, okay, the child is now ready for. Um, they're, you know, they're not quite comfortable to maybe discharge them from therapy yet, but um, they, they're ready to try the skills that they've been learning in a bit more of a complex interaction or in a, a bigger group. That's often how kids come our way. Uh, we do see a lot of families with existing interest in rugby. Mm-hmm. Some of them have never played rugby before, but they've just heard that it's been good for other kids. So <laughs> that's also a way that we get found. <laughs> Jesse, you've been playing since you were four and obviously you play, you're still playing at a, a very high or the highest level uh, for the National Sevens team. Mm-hmm. Have you found that your network through your career and that sort of stuff has helped to build Sense Rugby up? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's probably been one of the biggest parts for us. Um, you know, we work with so many good clubs across Australia now um, that are so happy to help out, um, but want to know how. And and through my own rugby experience, I mean, being in the game for you know twenty plus years, you you get to know lots of people in different areas, and and that's the beauty of rugby as well, because you're not just part of that specific rugby club; you're, you're part of rugby as a whole, mm. um, and it, it's a very welcoming community, um, which is the thing I find nice about it. And you you have these connections for life, and you know, you, you say you want to run Sense Rugby in, in any um, place across Australia or potentially even even the world, you know, there, there might well be a connection or I might know someone who knows someone that um, that can get us on a field there and, and uh, get the kids involved in a club. Yeah, that's all. That's one of the, like, I, I'm an old rugby tragic, used to play club. And that was all one of the things, probably one of the biggest things that I always loved about the sport is it didn't matter where I was playing, where I was living and playing, it, the community and the, the culture around rugby union is very similar pretty much everywhere. And it's, it is a very inclusive and a very welcoming. It's kind of a, a very family type atmosphere, even if it's, you know, just you and the boys playing, playing on the weekend or whatever it is, it's still a very close knit thing. And I think working with a population that is or finds it difficult to get into that like there are so many things that are so valuable in that sport and i've played a number of different sports but rugby is the only one that i've really found had that level of of closeness in the the whole community around it yeah that's it i'm actually south african so i (laughs) you know i grew up with rugby in a different way but I, you know, coming in, so obviously Jesse knew a lot of the people at the clubs, whereas for me, even just coming in and I was so blown away by how just accepting and willing to help so many people involved in rugby were or are um, every time we even just mentioned since rugby. And, you know, they always kind of come over and make an effort with our, our kids and are really keen to help welcome them into the team. I also think it's important for our families because it is a game where you can find a place for just all shapes and sizes, you know, it's girls, boys. So there's just an opportunity for everyone to play and find their space in it, which, you know, for our communities that are often excluded, that's important. You know, if we were to work in a sport where, you had to be six foot tall or you had to, you know, have certain physical attributes, I think would mm. be much harder to do than for something like rugby where, where you can find a place. I think the other thing with rugby that I noticed and mainly playing up here in North Queensland is 
it bridges a lot of cultural barriers as well. So like the teams that I played with up here, we had a lot of uh, Torres Strait Islanders. We had a lot of Indigenous Australians. Um, you know, we had Caucasians. We had, you know, anyone. Anyone could play. And like you said, it's just uh, the the range, especially in 15s anyway, the, the range of positions and that sort of thing really opens it up to there's something in there for almost everyone. <laughs> Probably not so much yeah, yeah. in sevens for props and that kind of thing, but, <laughs> but in fifteens, yeah, there's the, it's a sport that really is the, there's something in there for everyone. Mm. And often we would say it's not even even if they don't want to go on and necessarily play, even just from a supporter point of view, or being able to be part of a community that supports something together. Uh, or goes and watches a game or, or whatever it is, that's also being part of a bigger community. And it just seemed a shame that too many people were missing out on that because of, you know, whether it was a worry or judge, of judgment or not being able to have the support they needed to be included. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you found that a lot of the kids, like especially the kids that aren't really, or may, maybe not prior, have been really into rugby, have like really gotten into rugby? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you've probably seen it um, in some of the people that you've worked with. But um, you know, when when they become um, part of something and, and feel attached to something, you know, they become the biggest supporters or the biggest fanatics <laughs> of rugby. Like, it's really beautiful to see. And I've um, I've been lucky enough to you know work with a lot of the kids that are are in our programs through our launches. And um, you know, I'll get on on Facebook or Instagram or things like that and there'll be comments from the kids wishing me all the best in, in the next tournaments and, and they're up watching it all hours of the That's night. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's really, really, really nice for me to know that um, I, have, I have their support and, and they're enjoying the rugby as well. Yeah, that's awesome. What, what sort of range of, say, uh, diagnosis and that sort of stuff the kids that you work with, what's their sort of range? Like you, you've mentioned physical disabilities a few times. Do you work have you got kids uh, in the program with physical disabilities? Mainly we have a few kids who have some of the milder end of physical disabilities, but that would be what we would be looking to do next as well, to be able to adjust it a little bit to make sure that it is um, meeting everyone's needs. I'd say the reason why it also has been that way is because the majority of kids that we've seen so far have been diagnosed with autism. I think because it's, it's that combination of the social and the sensory benefits that, that we're seeing that's, you know, leading to a lot of those kids coming our way, um, especially also because a lot of them might want to integrate into teams and, you know, might, might need something like ours a little bit more than someone who has a physical disability and maybe looking towards wheelchair rugby or something, um, you know, along those lines. So that's what we seem to be seeing. I think... Because a lot of our a lot of our kids, so we, we're seeing, like I said, autism. Probably about seventy percent of our participants would have autism. We're also seeing a lot of kids with sensory processing, behavioural, um, ADHD, that kind of middle ground where those families might not necessarily um, identify with the child necessarily having a disability mm-hmm. as such. However, they're still really struggling to be part of you know, everyday group settings. So they're not comfortable in big groups. And as a result, they're, they're not going to sport. Um, that's also a large 
part of the kids that we work with and they're often the ones who um, are really looking to integrate but need a little bit of support before they do so. And then we're also seeing a lot of kids with Down syndrome, other forms of CP who, who need things to maybe just be a little bit slower as well so that they can mm-hmm. learn it with the necessary support or who might need an OT to be able to um, adapt things on the spot. So, you know, if we are jumping through the ladders or something like that and, you know, that child or that adult needs to do it a little bit differently, that's when we would, the OT would come in and go, hey, we don't actually need to do it that way. Let's just change it a little bit and you can still be a part of this. So um, that would be the majority of, of um, kids that we see, just the the ones who might need a little bit of grading. Of that so activity. I'm guessing that your your groups we talked a little bit earlier about um like how they're like putting kids in different groups and that sort of stuff then they wouldn't be divided by diagnosis but probably more about like sensory need or like adapt like how much adaption they might need maybe that's what i'm assuming yes i'm also uh, along those um I guess functional ability of of where how many people you know how many people can you cope within a group or um for us, it's always about finding the just right challenge. Yep. So are you going to be bored here or are you going to be <laughs> challenged too much and feeling very unsuccessful here? It's hard sometimes because we obviously can't run 10 different groups. But what we find is that a lot of the therapists who um, have been running it for a while run a few more you know, they don't just run the one group. They might have an afternoon of sense rugby where they run a few different groups within the groups so that they can then grade mm. the kids and move them up as they need to. And that's how that's that's the ideal way for us to be able to have that option where kids might be able to move in between. I think it's more based on that than age, but we do see that a lot of the time there would be groups of kids between sort of four and six and then that seven to 12 range. And after that, we we tend to want to put them together with older kids so that, you know, just physically um, they can obviously see if they're, if they're in a group of a four-year-old, so they might not want that. So it all depends on that particular area, that particular OT and what their expertise and mm-hmm. caseload's like because uh, often it'll be kids or adults from their own caseloads. Um, and yeah, how to how to best reach the family's goals. I see also on your website one of the questions you get asked is, "Don't you think rugby's a little bit dangerous?" <laughs> how do you how do yes, you respond? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah obviously the, there's a um, there's a lot of people that are scared of rugby um, and think that we might be doing you know a whole bunch of contact where kids are tackling each other and. Yeah, um, running a ball up and whatever. Um, and we do do that stuff eventually towards the back end of it when they are looking to integrate a little bit more. But for the start of all our groups, when kids are coming in, any of the contact that we do is always on um, our tackle pads or tackle bags. So, um, you know, we can, we can more reliably say that there's less chance of injury um, because there's not two opposing yeah, forces yeah. going at each other. Um, so we can control that scenario a little bit better, but also get the input that that they're wanting and seeking out. I think from my point of view, I just have to put my OT hat on here. There is just too much focus on safety um, for a lot of our kids at the moment. There's just such a removal of anything dangerous and we're actually seeing kids needing therapy because sometimes of this real tendency to to protect our kids. And now I know that obviously when you go on to play professional rugby, trust me, I've seen enough injuries to, to know that it is a dangerous sport. 
Um, I mean on Jesse. <laughs> um, but I also think that it's important that as OTs that we are spreading the message that, yes, we need to keep our kids safe, but we also need to not make our kids less able to com complete physical activities by keeping them too safe. They still need to be moving. They still need to be climbing and jumping and rolling around and doing forward rolls and all those things because if we don't, we're not actually giving them the opportunity to develop the skills they need to, to be able to do that. So that's what a lot of sense rugby's theory is based on, the fact that we know that kids need to be doing these things and we know that a lot of our kids are not doing them, maybe because they it, it was too dangerous at the start because they needed more help to learn it and as a result maybe haven't given it a go. Um, so for me a lot of it is about spreading the message that kids still do need to be experiencing these things. We can make it more safe so we can make sure that kids are um, are protected and are, are you know doing it in the right order so they're not just trying to do a tackle on a grown-up straight away but eventually you know they they need to be able to give to have this experience to know what their body can do in space and how hard they can push things without breaking it and, and all those things that um that we know is okay. there's an inherent risk in absolutely everything we do and i think it's a matter of being able to support kids or anyone that we work with to be able to safely navigate how to go about that risk i was just thinking when you were saying that i had a, a rugby coach uh when i was in school boys and his saying was that tackling's not dangerous not knowing how to tackle is dangerous so like and that was because my parents when i first started playing weren't a big fan of it because we were a soccer family and that was you know rugby was way out there uh, but that was how I sort of convinced them too. Like, you know, I'm learning how to fall. I'm learning how to tackle, you know, where to put your head when you tackle that sort of stuff. Like it, it, I had way more injuries playing soccer than I ever did playing rugby because mm -hmm. you, it's very technique driven. And, you know, once you get to practice and, and you do build a physical resilience, um, you know, people mm -hmm. get injured when tissue gets overloaded. So if you can strengthen tissue, it's not gonna it's gonna be able to cope with a lot more load so and just just play helps that um i think even from a um you know getting the the vestibular input getting that that feedback from your body to start knowing where it is in space it starts from when we're kids and we do take more risks you know we we that's when we learn it that's when we learn how to do things and i think um i don't know if you know about angela hascom she does a lot of work through timbernook um, which is a, a program based in the state that states that's you know quite similarly trying to get and um, trying to deliver therapy in a natural form, but doing so in um, in the nature itself. So helping kids to take more risks in that form. Um, you know, she has done some research and has done a lot of work around spreading the message that we you know we need to let kids do a few more things that. Um, make us gasp and make us, you know, make us worry, um, you know, obviously within reason so that they can learn how to continue um, to use their muscles the way that, that they're intended I think one to. of the things with that too is it's not just the physical benefits that people see from that, like being able to calculate whether a risk is within, say, in my example, like for me, if I, I'm able to take that risk or I'm willing to or I have the skill set to, mm. being able for me to be able to judge that is an important skill that comes with putting yourself out there and actually taking the risk and every now and then it doesn't work and you end up with a bit of a knock. But yeah, when it does work, you're like, mm. that's a massive learning opportunity for anyone. 
yeah, for kids especially. I might just add to that, actually. I think that one of the reasons I think, you know, Jesse often talks about that is that having that physical out, outlet somewhere else for our kids often also prevents it from being punching and hitting other kids on the playground. A lot of kids actually come to us because they are too physical. They're too, you know, they're being called aggressive or violent or whatever. But, you know, they're not getting any outlet for their physical needs. And as a result, it's coming out somewhere. Um, so our goal is also to have a, an outlet for our kids where it is appropriate to just tackle something, you know, even if it's a tackle bag or a hit shield or something, they're allowed to do it. And, you know, they can have that experience of their physical strength without getting in trouble and then being suspended and, you know, just having this constant negative cycle um, around how their body moves and what it does. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I used to see that when I was at training. If someone had had a bad day at work or something and they'd take it out on the tackle bag, you're not going to break a tackle bag. And I've never seen anyone get hurt tackling yeah, a tackle it. bag. So it, it is a good outlet. That's it. And I think that's, you know, we have these outlets as adults as well where we, we go to the gym after a bad day or whatever and you just go, okay, I'm going to get this input mm. that I need. But kids, they don't know what to do and they don't know how to get it. And I think it's our responsibilities as adults to find what they need from a sensory perspective or from a physical perspective and just allow them to get that in a safe way because I think, you know, you're saying you're a mental health OT and I firmly believe that through helping kids find a sense of belonging, find a sensory outlet, find a love for movement and um, physical <laughs> input that we are helping them to prevent or to find a way to manage their mental health better in, in later years. Definitely. And you, in my experience, like the, the people I've worked with, I was always working with adults, but working with the adults that I worked with, quite often as kids they weren't involved in sport they didn't have that connection and it, it flows on you know later in life definitely and I think probably in the majority of our kids are not necessarily the kids who are we kind of we kind of have kids that are very anxious in our group and need that positive reinforcement and support but we also have a group of kids who are not actually anxious in a very obvious way they are quite the opposite and they're extremely intense and they are always in trouble. You know, whether it comes from a, you know, it comes from perhaps anxiety, it comes mm. from a different root cause. However, they're always in trouble and they're getting negative input all day long, whether through school, through home, whatever it is, they're just the naughty kids, if you like. And for us, it's about helping them get get the outlet so that we can bring out that other side of them which is often just so beautiful it's one of our favorite parts of the groups to see how once they've got the input or once they've had positive reinforcement for a few you know whether it's for five sessions or five minutes all of a sudden we're seeing a whole different side of of the kids and if we can build that confidence within the sense rugby session um you know it doesn't always happen but we're really hoping that that can flow on into other uh, aspects of their lives as well and, and knowing that they can play rugby and do that successfully and and have a good time there and it's something they enjoy then hopefully you know when they're going to school and playing with their friends they feel more confident in that scenario as well do you ever get that feedback from parents or teachers or all the kids themselves that that sort of thing does like that you, you do get that flow on yes. yeah um we actually one of one of the very first um 
uh, programs we actually ever ran. It was up on the Central Coast um, at St. Brendan's um, Catholic Catholic School. Mm. And um, that was one of the feedback um, or some of the feedback we got um, after I think it was like the second or third yeah. session and, and one of the young boys there who had been coming to Sense Rugby and, and we were actually told at the start, oh, you know, he's probably not going to get too involved in this. And sure enough, as, as it normally happens, like he was just into it, loved it. Um, but then we got some feedback um, probably about three weeks later that um, he'd gone from basically pacing around the perimeter of the school by himself um, to actually out there on the field playing soccer and playing rugby with with his peers. So that was actually one of the probably um, was one of the moments that probably defined us as a program and, and gave us some confidence to go, well, you know, when things like that are happening, we can't yeah, stop. Yeah. Like we can't stop providing this. We also have had uh, one of the boys that I've got in mind now, he was in our scone group, um, he was he actually played mainstream rugby until he was about six or something and then had a bad experience and then came to sense around nine um he all his parents were saying to us that because he's had that one positive experience in a group he was then able to have more confidence at school which enabled him to all of a sudden get up on stage for drama and you know do that sort of thing where he's had a positive experience and i think we don't really think about it that way and we you know we maybe don't understand how much just if a child's always having, always seeing mm. failure, how much just having one positive experience can start a cycle of helping them to have enough confidence to continue something elsewhere. Um, we also do get feedback often that parents are saying that their um, kids are, they're a bit more resilient and a bit more able to be assertive. That's a big part of the program for us to teach kids to say when they don't like something and, um, cause so it's such a big part of our population is getting bullied at school. So um, for us, that's a big part, you know, giving them confidence in their own physical strengths and in their own bodies, not to hit other kids, but just to to have that, you know, that increased um, confidence there um, and then to teach them how to sort of stand up for themselves a little bit more in the school environment too. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I think that's, in, that's with a lot of OT practice, we we don't often get to hear about or see like the effects down the the river from where we've seen the person, but something like this, I mean, I would never have linked playing rugby with improving drama class for one. <laughs> but like those, I, I can when you say it, I can see how that would happen. But mm. yeah, like there's a lot of that flow and stuff that you know wasn't planned for and wasn't necessarily aimed for but it's going to have a positive impact in other areas of life such as you know other classes or concentration or you know anger management or whatever it is Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's going to be different for everyone everyone's going to take something different out of it and that's one of the things i think i really love about oc-based practice in general is that it's tailored almost almost acts not accidentally but it's not deliberately tailored to hit a certain thing for a certain person. It's Mm -hmm. here's what you can do and you engage in it and then you take whatever you want from it and it'll improve your life in however you need it to. Mm. And I I think that's one of the the beautiful things about it. And and obviously that's what's, what's happening with you guys with the feedback that you are getting. Yeah, that's right. I think a lot of people probably join to improve their gross motor skills or their kids' social skills or, or whatever it is, but often we're seeing it's one of those things that's kind of hard to test. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's hard to set a you know a smart goal for but um <laughs> that's that's part of it for us and and making sure that we're uh, where's we're really starting something it's really a catalyst for uh, more than just eventually playing rugby, but um, feeling confident in their own bodies and their own movement skills and their own ability to just um, manage the world a bit more um, confidently. I think, or well, what I was thinking before with the, because a lot of the listeners are going to be in America, or they are in America. Mm-hmm. And I think I've had discussions with a lot of them, a lot of Americans around, they don't really understand rugby. And I think they have said to me, like, oh, it's so dangerous. It's like, because they, you know, their football is fully padded and helmets and stuff. And like, they think it's the same thing, but without the helmets. <laughs> when it's a very, very different sport. So I'll just highlight that it's a very different sport. It's not NFL without helmets. Sure. Actually, <laughs> America's doing really well in rugby, Jesse. You'll be able yeah. to share that. Yeah, I, yeah. When you said that, I, I, um, I sort of chuckled a little bit because, um, the the Americans actually that close to uh, coming first in the, oh. in the series this year. Yeah, they um just oh, were wow. by Fiji, but um they've got some amazing, amazingly talented athletes over there, and I'm <laughs> it's scary for me to think. But in ten years' time, like they're already dominating now. Like yeah. if they get more exposure to the to the sports, um, it's crazy to think where it'll be for them in in a few years' time. And actually, when we started Sense Rugby, some of the most it, it got into the Huffington Post when we first started. Yep. Um, one of our our good friends and um, a great journalist, Jill Scanlon, she wrote uh, an article for us that that got into the Huffington Post, and it's, so much of the interest was from um, some of the OTs located in the state. So for us, once uh, Jesse's team's hoping to qualify for the Tokyo Olympics this year, um, uh, hopefully after that we'll be planning to head over there to to start running some programs there as there seems to be a lot of OTs ready to to look into that over there. I think we especially in pediatrics in the states so I think it would have been two episodes before this one I, I did an interview with um uh a lady who has essentially taken her whole pediatric practice and ditched the clinic and does everything outside like in the woods because she gets all the benefit of similar to what you guys are saying about movement and the social interaction and just that connection with being outside and that connection with nature which again Mm -hmm. I would think for a lot of those kids if they're not in uh, a sport they probably don't go outside a lot anymore like it's I think from when I was a kid to like kids nowadays, it's so different where mum and dad used to kick me out of the house because I was making too much noise <laughs> and it'd be yeah. come back in when it gets dark kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas it just doesn't seem to happen anymore where there's so many more things for kids to do inside that they don't have to go outside unless there's something to actually go outside for. Yes, especially when they get once they get to that teenage age, sports often a big enough motivator to get kids outside. And we see often, you know, we occasionally have to run sessions in halls because it rains and we're wanting to, you know, have consistency, but we just see the difference so mm-hmm. much when that session is happening outside versus having a, an inside session. Um, and even for ourselves, I mean, just being being able to get out of the clinic and get outside is regulating in itself too. I just think, you know, in the state or what I was, was getting to is in the States, they seem to have a lot more, I wouldn't say awareness, but almost freedom of practice to do those sorts of things where it doesn't seem to be. In Australia, there seems to be this very like pediatric practice. This is what it looks like. 
his it's just almost like a culture where everyone okay i'm going to be a pediatric ot i need a clinic and i need all this equipment and i need this and that and this and that and that's the mold of of what a pediatric ot is in australia whereas i think or a lot of the people i've been talking to recently anyway that work in the states trying new things and doing new things and being i i feel more true to the the roots of the profession mm. and the benefit is more than just that prescribed bit of you know group work or whatever it is that you're doing the the benefit is so much bigger and so much more profound i agree and that's something that uh, i mean i i've had experience in australia in, in both private and public health and i got very frustrated at times with just policies around how we're supposed to treat and what it's supposed to look like to have benefits and um you know, I'm, I'm highly supportive of evidence-based practice, but I'm also conscious that we need to try things and we need to make sure that we are being person-centred by delivering therapy in the way that it matters to a parent because I think, or the parent and the, both the parent and the child, mm. I should say, because um, especially now that, you know, we kind of understand a little bit more about what a family life looks like, the more we are experiencing it, the more um, important it is to us that, you know, we're not handing out a home program and saying to a parent, go and do this because that parent is probably already having so much trouble just getting food into their child, getting them to bed at night, um, you know, meeting their own career goals, trying to get to all these appointments that they have to go mm. to. But I think it's very um impractical to go okay do this home program and yes you'll get you know the evidence shows that you will get positive results from this however what it probably might do is just make that parent have another thing to feel guilty about you know that mm, they're not yeah, getting yeah. to so for us it felt like if we can create an opportunity for families where they can successfully access therapy in various different forms then that is um more likely to have you know just that positive effect of not just the kid is getting the sensory or the physical or the social skills that they need but also it's not an extra stress on the family in fact it's a support group for them so that they're not feeling like they have to get to another thing and i think you'll find too and i found with a lot of interventions working with my clients is if you really hit into something that they then develop a love for it you don't have to give them homework. They're going to want to do it. So, you know, the kid's going to, you know, play with the ball at home. He's going to kick the ball around the yard or whatever just because they want to actually do it. So you've tapped into their motivation as well. Like you don't have to give someone. If the Probably the easiest way to kill that motivation is to give someone homework to yeah, that's do it. this, you know, before next session kind of thing because I'm the worst for that. If you tell me to do it, I'm probably not going to do it. That's so true. It's funny you say that because we've just been speaking to a few parents whose kids have requested a sense rugby ball. They can't have any other ball. It has to be the same size. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so yeah, we are getting very specific requests for the balls. But if that helps them to throw a ball around in the backyard and get outside and also spend positive time with mum and dad, then, that's, then we've reached our goals. Going to start up a merchandise arm of sense rugby. <laughs> we've got enough on our plate, I think. Yeah. So where to for Sense Rugby? So you mentioned before possibly looking more into the physical disabilities. Where else do you, what else do you see in the next, say, five to ten years? Where else would you like to see it go? What else would you like to see it turn into? So we've got a few exciting things on our plate. So um, 
this for us we're continuing to grow the Australian side of things so we're always getting more inquiries from OTs and um, we've got it pretty sorted out now so that we're, we're continuously adding more franchisees that's how how it works so that that, that um, practices and organizations can deliver it alongside what they're already delivering um, and what we are starting to do is to bring those teams together for little tournaments if you like so they're having days together within their region so I'm um, looking towards that and, and you know taking that rugby approach um we're actually also the next part is probably um working a little bit more internationally so we've got a new zealand pilot program starting up in day um one in the uae in dubai oh, wow. and um as i mentioned the, the us um to in the next two years and then you start an international comp since rugby World Cup. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I, I think aside from that um we're just it's just been so nice to work with all these different OTs across Australia and, and get their input on the program. And we're just at the moment, um, well, I'm trying to look at their feedback from an OT point of view and, and um, you know, trying to mesh that all together and, and just create a better program with, with more variety and making sure that we're constantly improving it and, and getting, um, getting new drills and, and new fun things for the kids to, to enjoy at the training sessions. So that's always sort of the focus for me and, um, Carly takes after the big things and I, I look after all that stuff. So. Get, I think he means the, the boring stuff. admin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to do it. It's important. <laughs> no, that's wicked. Thanks so much for having us. No, absolute pleasure. Uh, if people want to look you up, find you, get involved, how can they? where can they find you online? How can they get involved? Well, Facebook's probably the most active, so just Facebook Sense Rugby or just our website as well, which is senserugby.com.au. Um, all our contact details should be on there so anyone can get in touch. And um, well, Google Jesse's name. There's some pretty good facial photos too. <laughs> Don't do that, please. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. That's that's really wicked. I, I think you guys are doing just phenomenal work and I'm keen to, to follow along and, and watch it grow, watch it develop. Thanks, right. Cheers, bro.